book of Philippians. We're going to be just finishing up chapter 1 this morning, looking at verses 27 through 30. Now, as many of you know, I'm not a native of Minnesota, even though I've, I moved here uh, in um, 99, and it's been, uh, um, it's been, it's gone quick. Um, it's been long. So I am somewhat a, a resident of Minnesota by this point. Um, but so I've been here long enough to sort of, you know, engage Minnesota culture, kind of understand and experience Minnesota, and even some of it is ad- adopted into my life. Um, there's many things that we can experience in Minnesota culture, if it's languages or fra- phrases or social norms, you know, slang words like ufta, which I never even know what that means, or the, the long drawn out o's, you know, and I'll just catch myself, I'll just say no to, to Ian, and it's like, wait a minute, how does this, how does this happen? So some of that is rubbed off. There's very odd things like games like Duck, Duck, Gray Duck, which the rest of the world says goose. What is going on? I will not say pop. I still say soda. Um, there's many gifts given, you know, that come like food, like the Honeycrisp Apple, which is amazing. Juicy Lucy's, the North Shore, all these things. And then there's, of course, the snow and the zero degrees that we wake up to in the morning. But I still grill when it's 12 degrees outside and, you know, it's two feet of snow. I'm not going to be stopped by that. But then there's your social realities, right? The stereotypical Minnesota nice, uh, which can play out in a variety of ways. Uh, one of those is a, a passive-aggressive tendencies. Um, I saw a t-shirt one time. It, it said, keep Minnesota passive-aggressive, <laughs> parentheses, or not, or whatever you think is best. But where we live, depending on how long you are, it's, culture is going to shape who you are. You're going to adopt some things. But, but there are also ways in which where you're from can have powerful staying influences in your life. It, it just keeps you. Hillary's grandfather, uh, Papa, lovely man. I only got to know him for a few years. He, he passed about four years after we got married. Um, but he was a, a joy. He called me Big Nate. And uh, he was a quiet country boy from Texas. And uh, he lived in California for about 50-plus years, um, and uh, that's where we, he raised a family. But he had the thickest Texas accent in the world. And I just remember asking him, like, how long have you been in California? Like, when I was getting to know him, and he's like, well, I've been here for 55 years. And I'm like, you could, he was in a different place, a very, a very where, where he was, it didn't really matter, and how long he was there, you just couldn't get the Texas out of Papaw. So there are things that stay where we are, and there, there are things that we adopt. And depending on where you go, there's those things, those customs, those cultures that are going to shape how we live and interact. And, and Paul is writing to this church in Philippi. He's far removed from them. And he, he's trying to awaken to, to them a reality that even though they're in a city of Philippi, there is a greater reality, a greater power, a staying power that should keep them and shape who they are and how they live. And so he's writing to this group of Christians, and he's done his welcome, and he's given his missionary update, and we looked at last week this main ambition of his life, of his ministry, to know Christ, to gain Christ, their progress and joy in Christ was what he was after, And, and now he turns to a charge to them, commands from God, and wants them to know because they are in Christ and because of the gospel, 
It's no matter where they are, no matter how long they're going to be there, there has to be something greater that shapes their life, shapes their culture, a gospel culture, how they relate to one another, and how they're going to encounter and find hope in their suffering. And I just want us to, it's been a little while since we set up Philippians, but I just want you to remember the people he's writing to. I mean, these are, these are friends that, that God has saved in his missionary journey there in the gospel. Remember those first Christians, the, this first, the first believers in this church plant. There was Lydia, the, this businesswoman, and, and her household, and, and the Roman soldier, which I like to call Clyde. And, uh, right, and this, this servant, likely this servant girl that was delivered. And, and then Clyde's families and family members and, and his, maybe his kids and then Lydia's, Lydia's home. His, Paul's writing as a pastor to, to these, these deacons and these elders there. And he says, all the brothers and sisters. These are real people, real situations, working real jobs, have real homes, have, raising kids, real life, real hardships, real things that they're facing like, like us. And, he, and he's wanting to encourage them. And they're living in the gospel. And so let's, let's hear God's word today from the Lord to, to us. Verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come to see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Let us pray. Lord, thank you this, this morning. That, thank you for this morning that we get to gather as your people and come under your word and to, to hear, hear your voice to us through the pen of the Apostle Paul, but by the Spirit to, to us today. And so, Lord, I, I pray for my heart, I pray for my brother's and sister's heart, that the, as we hear this charge, we, we would become um, more deeply aware of your grace to, to shape us as your people, that we'd be gospel people, a gospel culture that, that shapes our relationships, that, that shapes how we endure suffering, Lord. So we need your help. We need your spirit to come and be with us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So Paul begins and he starts this section with only. Only. He wasn't speaking in hyperbole, like just trying to be extreme. He, he wanted to act something, accent something that was essential for them. Only, only, above all things, do be sure this is happening. You can, you can sort of hear Paul's echo of what he just wrote about his ambition, to live or to die. My, my main goal is that Christ would be honored in my life. That's his main thing, and he's, he's telling them 
that they, they need to get their life, have their life shaped by a main priority as well. And so this is in serious instruction for a very important manner. And it's a challenge because this is a, a really busy, packed text. Um, it's, it's sort of like you're just drinking one of those little, you know, condensed, you know, um, drink mixes. You know, it's supposed to go inside, you know, a, a gallon. He's just, boom, he's given us this fully packed thing. One commentator put it this way, the whole is a single, nearly impossible sentence in Greek which probably assumes this form because Paul tries to include all of the urgencies of the letter, at least as far as their situation is concerned, in this opening word. And so the good thing is that we're going to be able to taste of it through the rest of the letter, but we get to see this like fire hose condensed version here this morning. So a bulk of what he's going to address in the letter and charge them with, he bakes really in this small section of verses. And we're going to hear these themes again and then again. So what is the, the only, the only thing that they should be doing? He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. This phrase, manner of life, it's important to get. It's, it's a special word that Paul chooses that actually from the, 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 the word, we get the word politics, right? The, the affairs of the city. So the Philippians knew politics. They were this, this little Rome, that, that Rome controlled. They were, it was a Roman colony. So that even though they were far away from the motherland, they lived as citizens of Rome in this place. They experienced the benefits, the governing, the culture, the freedoms, the habits of Rome there in Philippi. And, and God is saying to them through Paul, that these Christians are to live in such a way that their, their life is in line with a greater country, a, a greater citizenship uh, that they have in Jesus. Philippi is not their home, and they are not ultimately citizens of that place. We see Paul echoing this in chapter 3. But our citizenship is in heaven, for from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus. 3.20. So as Christians, disciples of Jesus, they have a, a higher civic responsibility. And it's, it's as if Paul is saying this, you know the pride and respons- responsibility attached to living in a Roman colony Remember that you have a higher allegiance and a higher calling that calls you to a more faithful conduct. So one way we could translate that is exercise your citizenship worthily of the gospel of Christ. So where are they citizens of truly? They, they, their homeland is heaven. They, they live in what the kingdom of God requires of them under King Jesus and for King Jesus. And so the, the gospel is to shape or inform or empower this faithful conduct that they are called to. So they're to live a life worthy of the gospel. Now, what, what does that mean, what, to live worthy of the gospel? I mean, it could almost sound like we've got to, we got to earn something, we've got to earn the gospel. Well, we know that that's not true. We can't earn the gospel or salvation. Well, we can't earn this is it because it's a gift given to us by the grace of God. It is good news because it's, it's good news that sinners, by faith, uh, through, through God's grace in Jesus, that his death becomes opportunities for our forgiveness and his life, our righteousness. So it's, so it's not earning. We don't deserve the gospel. We don't earn the gospel. But we've been saved by grace. And so we, could, we, we need to look at this as it's saying, Live as a life 
befitting of the gospel or appropriate to the gospel, that, that suits the gospel, that grace has come and given to you that you live in, that you've confessed. Now, let your life it reflect what you have received in Christ. We see this like captured in Jesus saying in Matthew 3.8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Or Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, and let there, there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. It's not fitting to what the gospel should shape your life like. Or I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And he goes on to list qualities of that shaping a manner of humility, of gentleness, of bearing with one another in love, of unity. So these things don't make us worthy of Jesus, but we live in response to what we've been given in God's grace that, that magnifies Jesus. It, it befits and suits our confession in Christ. So Paul wants them to walk in this only manner of life, Regardless of him visiting or his absence or maybe his death, because their allegiance, remember their allegiance is to, to Jesus, not to Apostle Paul. That's why he says, so that if I come or, or I'm absent, he wants to visit them. He, he wants their progress and joy in Jesus. So their motivation, their hope is to be like his, for Jesus, by Jesus, not by Paul's command, but by Christ's command ultimately. So flowing from this, this charge is where we're going to kind of look at the rest of this, this, this command. Live your life, let it be shaped, be, be fitting of the gospel that has come to you in this, this higher allegiance that guides your faithful conduct. What, what should this look like? What does it look like to live as citizens of this heavenly kingdom? Well, we're going to consider two things. One is there's a, uh, by the gospel, it transforms our hearts to, to live resolute or resolve steadfast in unity with our brothers and sisters. And then a, a shaping power by the gospel that we could remain steadfast, resolute when we endure opposition and suffering for Jesus' sake with, with hope. And so let's look at this, this first point. Paul says, whether there or not, I want this. I want you standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So there's this, this unifying power that, that must be um, among them. He's saying one spirit, one mind, side by side. So standing firm. Notice your, your S in spirit is not capitalized, but there's reasonably that Paul is pointing to the Holy Spirit, their union in the spirit. They, they are in Christ together. Remember we talked about that word koinonia earlier in Philippians? They're sharing in salvation means that they are sharing in the work of the Spirit. That's why if you look in your Bibles just there in chapter 2, verse 1, we're going to be looking at um, in the new year, their participation or their fellowship in the Spirit. And he's praying, we saw, he prays for the ongoing work of the Spirit of Jesus. So he's telling them, stand firm in the gospel in one Spirit. Because you are one body. That's what Paul would write in chapter 4 in Ephesians. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to 
your call. So their, their standing isn't, isn't passive. It's just not going to be automatic. There is a, a unity that must be maintained as they stand together. So imagine like an army sh- with shields holding arm to arm, ready, ready to s- stay in position in opposition and where things are going to get hard. So goofy th- theology may come in, but it's not going to derail us because we're standing in the gospel. We're going to Problems are, and challenges are going to happen from within us, temptations, but we're going to stand firm in the gospel. Enemies are attacking from without, but we're going to stand together in the Holy Spirit. Is a maintaining by the gospel, standing the ground in spirit unity. So one, one spirit with one mind. Now this word mind is where we, we get the word soul from, the, the you of the person, right? They're he wants them to, to stand with one mind, their, their thinking, their feeling, their motivations. They want them to be, he wants them to be one-hearted or one-personed. So not just intellectually in their mind saying, well, we are one in the Spirit, or you know what, I signed that membership agreement, I know, I know we're, we're one. He's saying, no, you, you need to be unified in your hearts together, in, in your hearts. We, we believe it and, and we feel it for one another. It's one thing to just be on a team roster and then play, but it's another thing to be on that team roster and, and love your teammates and, and care for them and, and, and have a, a feeling of, of joy and oneness with them. It, you will play that game entirely different, and they care for their teammates, and it's important because Paul now points to this, this mission, right? This is the, there's a mission in view. He needs them to stand in the Spirit. He needs them to care and love one another because they need to advance the gospel. And this is really important because they need to strive side by side. There's a mission that's in view, the gospel together in their partnership. He would write later in chapter 4, these, these two women that he encouraged them, Yodia and Syntyche, to, to agree in the Lord. And we learn that these two women once in chapter 4, verse 2, says that they contended side by side for the gospel. Exact same phrase there. And there in that city, there was these two women, and they, they once were side by side, contending, working, seeking, striving in the gospel ministry together. And there's some relational conflict that has happened to them. There, there isn't unity. They weren't walking in and standing in the Spirit. Something wedged in between them, and they were not side by side anymore. Paul, what a loving pastor to, to write to them. Remember, this is a real church, real people, real sinners, saved by grace in this church. And he cares enough about the glory of Jesus and the, the mission of Christ and the good and joy of that church. The, the health of the co- collective relationships in that church. He would take time to address the conflict between two women penned here in holy written by the word so that their relationship, this one relationship, could experience God's grace and and restorative uh, power. This, This one relationship mattered to gospel mission in that church. We need we need to take note of that. Just just think about that for a moment. Each of our relationships matter. 
that we can say with one spirit and one heartedness and to be good and joyfully side by side with everyone is significant. It is vital. Gospel health and unity is imperative. So standing in the Spirit, their hearts unified, striving in unity for the faith of the gospel. You could say for the faith that is the gospel. Meaning their unity, their standing, striving in unity, that means they're, they're, they're walking in the worthily of the gospel and there's gospel advancement going on. And so these relationships mattered for that goal and that purpose. God wants his good news to keep going to a lost world in his church and through his church. And it, it is his church not, not together. If they're not together side by side, it's going to hinder that goal. And so Paul knows if, if they allow sin or the enemy to break down their unity, to, to erode their, their side-by-side joy, if it's, this is my priority, and no, this is my priority, and there's splintering happening, or what he was experiencing there in Rome, remember the, the rivalry and the conceit that the Christians in Rome were experiencing, the, the local church would be in danger. That little church would be endangered. The mission would be endangered. The enemy hates gospel progress and advancement. The enemy seeks to break apart God's people, to, to isolate sheep from one another. So I just encourage, I think it's much to encourage us to, to reflect. Where is the enemy seeking to, to separate you off in some way? Seed of bitterness or, or offense? Something lingering? That, is there a wedge? Remember, one relationship is important. Is there a wedge that, that a side-by-side experience is, is hard for you right now? Maybe just your heart is cold in relationship. You just find yourself isolating more and more. Hear the Spirit come and encouraging you to, to stand. Remind your heart of the, the partnership you share in the Holy Spirit. Draw near to Him and to His help. And seek to mend that thing so we can strive together. We need the Spirit to do this. We need the Spirit of Christ because He unites unlikely people, but He gives sinners new hearts and new loves and empowers them to forgive and love as we should, unifying us around Jesus and His mission. This is this, this new citizenship that Paul is pointing to. Walk in step with this. But we, we are to be resolute to fight for the joy and progress of God's people in our, our city, our, our brothers and sisters, fellow citizens, side by side. So, again, our picture together, shoulder to shoulder, my brother and my sister together, standing firm in the gospel, stable, uniting, advancing together. So, that is one expression of our living in the gospel And we're going to say a lot more about that unity and love and humility as we go into chapter 2. Secondly, the gospel makes us resolute to endure sufferings for Jesus with hope. So by the gospel, their conduct maximizes unity and it grants courage in fear. So he charges them and as they stand side by side to not be frightened in anything by your opponents. Verse 28. So, though these believers are citizens of heaven, remember, in, that, in a spiritual sense, they are still citizens of Rome in Philippi. 
Now, we don't know much about these opponents, but it's very likely that these were persecutions coming by the hands of, of Rome to them because they are Christians. Paul would say later in our text here in verse 30 that, that they are engaged in the same conflict that, that they saw him in and that they now, now hear that he still has. Well, what are those things? Well, remember that he is in prison there in Rome. But what did, he, what did they see? Well, they saw what happened to he and Silas, right? Beaten, bloodied, put in stocks, in prison right there before them. They, they saw that. And so, in this context, there is the, their world, their city, the place where Paul is at. When, when you said the word kairos, which is Lord, it should, for the Roman, only refer to Nero or Caesar. So it's, a, it's an issue to call Jesus only Lord, to live in a culture that believes in polytheism, surrounded by many gods as they were, there's an issue when you say that there is only one true God who is worthy to be worshipped. So they're going to have issues. And so Paul says, brothers and sisters, Lydia, Clyde, others, hear me, don't be frightened. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated by these opponents. This word intimidated this, it describes an uncontrollable stampede by start, startled horses, right? So you may, be, you may be going into battle, and it's, maybe it's raging around you, and you have enemies progressing intensely towards you. Don't run. Don't, don't scatter. Don't, don't be taken by fear. Because all of this, all of this is happening with God's oversight. There are, there's eternal purposes in Jesus that are going on. Remember, we started this, this section where Paul was drawing their attention to the, that they walk worthily, uh, living as citizens of, of heaven. He's wanting them to refrain that all these earthly things going on in their life, their sufferings, their persecutions, their opponents, is in relationship to something eternal taking place. Meaning what they're doing and experiencing is not not out of God's hands. They are part of God's eternal, just, and gracious savings plan, saving plans for them now and into the future. So two things are going to happen. He says that there's, in the end, others' judgment, so there's a holy vindication that's going to come, and there's salvation and rescue. Look at verse 28 again. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. So what what is the this? What is this? What's the this that is a clear sign? Well, I think it points back to all that Paul has been encouraging them, all the, the fruitful, faithful standing and striving together in loving unity in the gospel, and all the fearless standing firm in Jesus, willing to suffer for his name's sake. All of these are signs of their condemnation, of their contrasted life, right? contrary to Jesus, anti-Jesus, anti-Christian. Paul speaks of this later in chapter 3. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Use that same word. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Notice that they glory in their shame. They, they, They celebrate and love their sin and their rebellion. 
And their minds are on this world and, and its sins. In contrast to the Christian whose mind is set on Christ, of Christ, for Christ, with an aim to glory and honor Jesus alone. So one commentator phrased this text this way, Moreover, do not be intimidated by your opponents. Your behavior will be a sign to them that they will be destroyed but that you will receive salvation and a salvation that comes from God. So, so by their behavior, there should be a stark contrast between how they're living as citizens of heaven and what these, these Roman citizens were living like. They were living as citizens of heaven in the gospel, and, and they're going to see their love and their unity. As Jesus told us, that they, the world will know we are his disciples if you love one another. So it's proof, it's fruit that they are in Jesus, that they are Jesus's and proof that their opponents are not. And contrast that the people of God and how they love and how they serve and how they're not fearing loss of all things, they're, they're willing to even let their life go in for sake of Jesus, that he's their treasure and their joy. Now, no, no the, the sign isn't that the... of. of of their, uh, their desire to be opponents of Christianity isn't because they, they were a bunch of angry, hateful people. It was the opposite. They were full of love and faith and humility, and it exposed their opponents in their darkness, and it affirmed the believers, the truth that's in them, and their, the faith that resides in their hearts. So, proof they are a believer, they belong to Jesus, and proof of their condemnation. Their destruction, but of your salvation. And so judgment will come for the enemies of God and salvation for God's people. And Paul just wants to be sure that they, they have full confidence of this. He wants to assure them in grace. How, how can they remain steadfast, firm in their loving unity in the gospel, and also steadfast in opposition and loss and in sufferings and not be surprised and overcome with fear? He wants them to be aware of grace in salvation and suffering. Jesus' plan and his grace in that. This is why he, he tells them, we are told, and this is from God, or that's from God. Verse 29, for because, or for, or because, it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So last week we saw Paul asking for prayers from them or thanking them for their prayers and the work of the Spirit so that he can endure that through life or through death Jesus would be honored and, and he's encouraging them to be steadfast, to be resolute, to stand and not be surprised because God's grace is in all of this as well. God's not surprised by this. They, and these sufferings are not... Bad signs are evidences that Jesus had abandoned them. It's just the opposite. It's, it's an assurance that Jesus is with them. His grace is in the midst of them. This word granted speaks of, it means grace. It, it has been graciously given to you, is what Paul is saying. Gifts of God by his grace. What are those gifts? Gifts to believe and gifts and grace to suffer for his sake. So just like our salvation is a gift from God, their sufferings have purposes in God as well. 
We know, Ephesians 2.8 tells us, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Faith, our ability to believe on Jesus, is a gift of God's grace to us. Our ability to trust on him as Savior is a gift of his grace. So they share in Jesus, their koinonia, their fellowship with him, and with one another is a gracious gift of God. Paul is just helpfully is reminding them that their, their ability to believe, their salvation is, is of importance, and it is of God's grace. I think of David when he's wrestling with his own sin, and he was asking for joy to be returned to him, joy that came from his salvation. There's an important piece, I think, for us saints is when we're suffering to, to return to the gift the, the gift that we have in Christ, in salvation itself. But he's reminding them not only is that a gift, but that, that if they're in the Son, that we also share in likeness of the Son's, as we fellowship with him in the Son's sufferings. Our sharing in his sufferings for his sake is how we will then share in his glory. This is what Romans 8 tells us. The Spirit himself bears Witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. So Jesus' promise is that his disciples would carry a cross like him and suffer like him, and as we do, we share in him. We suffer with him, but he is not far his grace is present there. This is God's nearness, his granting, and he, he's assuring those believers that we need to be assured that it is his grace in and among us. So, so Paul's a, a wise friend and a, a wise pastor and a counselor. He, he directs his attention to Jesus and his grace and that, and that he be, he's along with them in their suffering. He's a fellow sufferer with them. He, he did that when he was with them. He is now doing suffering now far away from them. But, but notice he doesn't just toss out some, some pat answers and sort of cliche responses. Don't worry. Everything has a reason. Just, just keep your chin up. We're going to get through it. It's, it's making you tougher. Or, or he didn't just say, well, I know it stinks for you, but, but God is sovereign. And uh, you know he's going to work all things for the good. Now, that is Bible. And there is a right time for that counsel. But Paul's counsel and charge and comfort is rooted in the goodness of the gospel for them. Their understanding of God's sovereign power, but also his radical love in grace. His goodness in grace. And that they have Jesus. They have been granted the gift of of Jesus to believe in the Son. That is where he wants their treasure and joy to reside. It would, it would be found in something like this from some helpful counsel by Paul Tripp. He says, this is the comfort we offer people. We don't comfort them by saying that things will work out. They may not. The people around them may change, but they may not. The Bible tells us again and again that everything around us is in the process of being taken away. God and his love are all that remain as cultures and kingdoms rise and fall. 
Comfort is found by sinking our roots into the unseen reality of God's ever-faithful love. So if it all goes away, Philippians, great. But if your opponents don't, you have Jesus. You've been granted Jesus. You've been granted God's grace in Jesus. So to live is Jesus, to die is Jesus, and let this shape how you live as citizens of heaven. Remember, instead of you saying, remember the saving faith God gifted you in the gospel. He's going to keep you. Remember your Savior Jesus. We follow our Savior as He went, and that means we're going to suffer like Him for His sake. But all the opponents and the loss we may have, we have Christ. And that cannot be taken away from you. And He has sovereign purposes in all this that you're facing right now. This is from God. If it's for Him, it's for His glory, and it's also for your good, always. So as citizens of heaven, beloved of Christ, stand firm, not alone, side by side. Don't forget you need to do this together as God's people strive side by side in the gospel, in unity, for the gospel to go forward through His church. And So don't be sidelined. Don't be overcome or surprised when those things come. Don't be fearful. God is with you. And he wins. He wins. He always wins. And in the end, his win is your victory as well in his grace. Those are good promises. That's why this is walking worthily of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And it must shape our hearts individually, and it must shape our culture as a church. Our actions, our our hopes, and our sufferings. And so, so yes, we do live, we live here, some of us in Chaska or surrounding areas here in Minnesota, in the U.S., and there's all these benefits that we experience and quirks and brokenness as well. And yet, yet I love, as I just thought of Papa, even he lived in a different state. There, there was a loyalty to where he was, he was originally from. And we've got to remember where we are from and the kingdom we were brought into. It's not this earthly realm There's a greater allegiance, a a greater place that we have as home. And so therefore, the gospel shapes our our purposes, how we live, our relationships, and how we suffer. And even when we have a world that's going to hate Jesus and hate Christ in us. And so, Cross of Grace, I I am grateful that I I get to do this side by side with you. I see God's grace in you and God's grace at work in you. So, so let us, let us live out our heavenly citizenship on this earth as we stand in the gospel, firm in Him. Firm in Him, in the Spirit, knowing that our confidence is in our sovereign Lord Jesus, who's, who's doing all things for our good and for His glory. We do this in unity together by His grace. And so let's Let's go to him and let's ask him for help to do this. It's the spirit to remind our hearts of the one spirit we are in, the, that he would unite our hearts in one mind and that we, we would strive side by side and, and not be fearful, but reminded of his eternal plans. Lord, thank you for your church, Lord. The, Lord, that we, we were reminded recently that we don't, we don't choose our brothers and sisters, Lord, we we were born into a family, and in the same way, by the Spirit, you have united us by your Spirit to be, to be in your family, Lord. And, and we get, 
we get to. We don't, we don't have to, Lord. We get to strive side by side, um, not alone, but side by side with our brothers and sisters by what you have done in the, your son Jesus in the gospel. And, and Lord, there, there are opponents that we face, and there are realities of, of sufferings that we experience in this broken world, Lord, but we know, Lord, that there is a, a strength and a power that comes knowing that, that we, we're not alone, and Lord, that we, we have a, if all is lost and all falls away, that we have your eternal purposes in plan, and we, it is all moving towards our heavenly citizenship in you, Jesus. So, so Lord, I pray for us, Lord, would you allow the gospel to continue to, to shape our culture as your, as your people, how we live, love, how we, how we live, our, our allegiances, Lord, to, to you, Jesus. So we're not ultimately from here, we're, 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 we're children of God, we're born from what you have done and awaiting our, our homeland, Lord. So let's walk in courage and faith in Jesus and together in your love. We need your spirit to do that, so help us, Lord.